This is the Cherished You Podcast. I am your host, Rama. This is an evergreen content warning. Um, This podcast talks a lot about abuse and uh, trauma and surviving from both. Uh, We talk about narcissistic abuse. So please understand that if you are not comfortable with talking about those things and your mental health openly and honestly, maybe with not uh, so much polish, uh, this may not be the space for you. Also understand that uh, this ta- this podcast also tackles uh, societal issues of racism, capitalism, um, patriarchy, misogyny, whiteness. So if any of these I um, these topics trigger you, please feel free to leave this space and um, without comment and without any vitriol. Um, and that is perfectly fine for both you and I. Thank you. Hello, and thanks for joining me again. Um, this week is um, going to be a bit of a heavier topic, um, depending on how um, and how familiar you are with the topic. I guess it depends on that. Um, just a heads up, uh, content warning wise, uh, there will be, um, as always, there's narcissism. Um, involves there's going to be some psychological abuse talks that I'm going to be talking about including glass gaslighting and um, but as always I will be um, connecting it back to our bodies and our nervous system so you know take what you need leave what you don't Um, so the I'm going to be talking about trauma bonding and I think there's going to be two maybe more episodes about it from the way I have it outlined right now. Um, Some disclosure off the top, I am currently working through a breakup of a trauma bond, which is why I am talking about it. Um, I am not talking about the rawness when I'm in the middle of it, but as I am making headway through each part, um, I am uh, going to discuss it Again, it goes back to when I was talking about money trauma. We there's a lot of information about what these, you know, what a topic is, um, what it looks like, all that stuff. But I think that, and I and I've I've heard, I've seen and heard a lot of stuff about people breaking up from trauma bonds. This is not even my first one. Um, this is my second one, um, and it's. Um, one of the episodes will be about comparing the two because I think it's fascinating now that I've um, starting to uh, kind of dig deep into that. But what um, what I don't see is a lot of actual exploration of what the process of breaking up with a trauma bond is like, um, and also like what the what the inner work looks like to. Um, Make sure you don't do it again. Um, I didn't think after my last one that I would go through another one, which is so child. Not looking back, it's such a childish response. Be like, I know I got it this time, so I'm not going to do it again. Of course you will. Um, because um, I guess a preview of when, when I talk about uh, the comparisons on my trauma bonds, um, the first one had to do with my dad, and this one had to do with my mom. And they're... I think it's funny that I had to go through them separately 
Um, and I say funny like haha, but not actually funny. Um, and it is interesting how very different yet similar they ended up being. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll dive into that later. But um, for this episode, I'm really just going to kind of share what the breaking up like in in this in this void that I'm in right now where I am you know I I I see I see the bond for what it is and I'm still working through the loss of the attachment on my end you know I'm still working through all that and but also having gone through the bulk of the feeling that I'm going to have to do. Um, there's, you know, little spurts here and there that are coming up now, but the big bulk of it, the, 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 the large chunks of hurt and grief, um, I have thankfully um, uh, been processing at an okay rate for me, um, considering um, how much hurt is coming up and how much grief is coming up. Um, I've kind of uh, tapered it for myself so that it's not too much at once so that I'm still kind of functional for the rest of my life. Um, I got to make sure that my uh, emotional processing fits in with capitalism. And um, but it's still, um, it's still really painful. Um, But I, it's getting better. So that's why I, I feel like I'm in a place where I can start to talk about it now and at least talk about what I've already been through. Um, Again, um, just, uh, I guess, some nomenclature off the top. A trauma bond is um, usually a form of a relationship that happens between highly sensitive people and narcissists, or at least people who display heavy nar- um, traits of heavy narcissism, heavy traits of narcissism. Um, that is what happened to me in both times. This last time was... Um, It came in a package that I was not expecting. Um, I did not see it for what it was um, because off the top, it looked like um, it, I, I I had, I was looking at the wrong thing. So there's this joke at my job that we have that you come sometimes don't see the thing that's right in front of you. Like they'll be, we'll all be looking for something, but it's right in front of our faces, but we won't see it um, until somebody points it out and be like, here's what you're looking for. And this is, um, this, this trauma bond that I'm coming out of now is um, very much like that. Um, if I had been a friend of mine who saw what was happening the um, as I was experiencing it, I would have shooken myself until I saw it for what it was. Because if it was a third party, they would see it. Um, Me being in the middle of it um, and the circumstances around myself at the time, um, I had just, I I had been two years out of my last romantic relationship, but I was only three months um, or even less than three months, actually, it was more like two, two, two months almost, um, since I had um, gone no contact with my family and left my family. And that not understanding at the time um, how, how pervasive 
and how quickly trauma bonds kind of get formed, I uh, looked at the wrong timeline. I was like, oh, I'm two years post a romantic relationship. I can get into another one now because I've worked through all that stuff. Not understanding at the end of that trauma bond that I had not worked through the trauma that had caused that bond, the first one to have been created in the first place. So when this one happened and I was so fresh out from leaving my parents and going no contact with my family um, and being really truly feeling alone um, for the first time in my life. It's one thing when you, you know, you do stuff by yourself, but you, you know, you, you know, at least intellectually that there is a family that you can go to if any, if shit hits a fan. This was the first time where I didn't have that. And I was incredibly dysregulated, even though I was working on getting myself back, but I hadn't, I hadn't reached it yet. You know, I had a lot of big changes happening at once. I was starting a new job and moved back to a new place, you know, figuring out housing and all that jazz. And so when this relationship, you know, and I put that in quotes, by the way, this quote unquote relationship presented itself, I wasn't looking at the right thing. And so I fell into it. Superficially, there were a lot of things that um, were attractive to me. And I went with that. And I could tell now in hindsight, that was a lot of ego on my end. I was looking to make myself feel better. So it felt nice to have those superficial qualities kind of checked off on a list. But the early on, and I remember this clearly because I was still journaling at the time. I was, I was doing all of my self-care things at the time in the beginning, um, that there's a record of it. And I also, you know, remember my own experience and looking back on it now, there were some very clear red flags that came up for me and signals from my body, very, very strong ones, ones that I could not ignore that came up for me that I ignored. I, it was a, an, a, a conscious effort to ignore both my gut feeling and my body sensations. So I completely dissociated myself from myself, from my body to even start this relationship because, uh, and all of that came from a, there was this underlying, you know, this underlying trauma wound that I was carrying of abandonment and being alone. And logically, Cerebrally, at the time when I enough when I felt my gut feelings and I and I saw the red flags and then you know I was having these physical sensations in my body and I ignored all of those because I thought I was being judgmental because the way I justified it to myself at the time was like Rama you're going through um, this really big shift in your life where you're going away from your parents and you're dealing with a lot of this shit so you're going to see red flags in places where they aren't necessarily any so I ignored them willfully ignored them even though they were right in front, of my, in front of my face because I was convinced that my body was overreacting and here's the thing looking back on it now having worked through a lot of the pain that you know that I, I've dealt with um, in the last three years what really kind of sticks in my in my in my mind 
is that how easy it is to convince yourself that somehow your body is wrong. Even for someone like me who understands that my body is never wrong. And also this other thing that I really didn't have any like language for until the past like maybe six months was when I really started kind of piecing a lot of this stuff together is that (laughs) I am a highly sensitive person with um, and a recovering empath which means that yes I have a high I I am prone to hypervigilance that is true I my nervous system is more sensitive to being dysregulated that is true that also means that when those things happen to me when my nervous system gets dysregulated or I get triggered not all triggers are bad, but the extent to which you're triggered and how often a, a trigger is triggered. For somebody who works on themselves in, to the extent that I do, I work through my triggers. So at some point, if if there's not a person in your life who keeps triggering those same wounds over and over again and you are working through those, if you keep getting triggered, that means it's your environment at this point. It's not you. You've done your part. But I am, I can be hypervigilant. I am highly sensitive to stress and red flags. I am highly, um, uh, um, what I, I kind of lost my, um, the word that I was going to use, but I am highly sensitive to changes, uh, to, to discordance, to things that don't match, where words and actions don't match. I am highly sensitive to that. Yes, I am. That is because my nervous system is not, um, has, you know, through everything it's been through is not designed to be in spaces like that. And you know how I know that? Because my friendships are solid. I will have issues with my friends. Yes. I will have ways of resolving those issues with my friends. Sometimes it requires a talk. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it just requires some space. Okay. So, I, I have healthy relationships in my life where I know, okay, this is how I function. So if there is a, if there is a relationship in my life where all of those tools that I use in all of my healthy ones works, but it doesn't work here, then it's not me that I'm not the problem. It's the relationship and the other person that I am relating with. That is the problem. So where I'm coming at with all this is that after ignoring the red flags and dismissing them because Rama, you're just hypersensitive instead of understanding that, yes, you're hypersensitive. So this is not going to work for you. You need a place where a lot of safety can be created. Even when the people involved don't exactly have the, the, that, that language in that context, people can know how to create safety for you and not be, not have the language that you use. I know that personally because I have relationships like that. Um, yes, Rama, your nervous system is being activated around this person and it's not in a good way because I had physical reactions in my body that were telling me that. And I ignored those because, oh no, you're just going through a really hard time and that's why. When yes, you're going through a really hard time and this thing is not going to help that hard time get any better. You're piling on hard times on top of themselves because this one is not going to help you regulate this other bigger thing you're dealing with. And I, I think the best way we learn is understanding that sometimes we don't 
always know everything. And I, while lot like, you know, intellectually, I'm a, I'm a very smart person and I know a lot about narcissism, both from experience and, you know, academically. And I still fell for it. I still fell into the trap. I ignored every warning sign that came because I got, I, first I talked myself out of my very, my, my very real experience that I was having. And at that point, it's easier for somebody else to talk me out of my, my experience. Once I've done it myself, anybody else can talk me out of it. Even though I was having such visceral reactions to things that I know normally I didn't. I did not give myself enough credit that the work that I was doing was working. I figured that if I was being triggered this much, this often by the same thing, that it was a me problem. Because the other person never really took accountability. They just shifted it. Or they faked accountability, but never actually did anything, which is why I was getting re-triggered. And discordance in, 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 um, was a big thing that didn't, um, that I, I ignored like the energy. And, and what's so funny is that I, again, like I have, you know, I have my journal entries. I have the stuff that I recorded throughout all that time that I never posted that I have, you know, I, that, that I've been going through and just, you know, remembering my own experience and all of it, it really just comes down to like, I didn't trust that this thing that I had been, you know, this, this work I had been doing on myself for 10 years was, was working. And I didn't trust that. I didn't trust my body because I thought that it was just too overstimulated. And instead of giving myself some space and time to kind of figure it out and to really see what's going on, I ignored it and, and went head first into something that was so not going to help me in any way. Um, but having kind of processed the really big emotions out of it, the, the biggest wound that came up for me and understanding that the trauma, the trauma bond is not with the person that I was with. The trauma bond was with my mother. And I was trying to get this person who was so much like my mother to see me and love me for who I was when they are, 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 you know, fundamentally incapable of doing so. But if this person could, who was like my mom, then maybe my mother could, or at least that would, well, at least I got this person to do it. So my mom's just the problem. You know, there's all these justifications that go through your, your mind when you're trying to work through all this stuff. But the biggest part of the wound, and I, and I know that I've had this you know, I had this with my, with my parents, with my mom in particular, um, because it's such a, it's just a defining trait of narcissism, but it was the fact that I was real and they were not. And there was no, all the things that I thought were real, all of the experiences and feelings I felt that I thought were real, none of them were real. They were only happening for me. They were not happening for the other person. There was no shared reality. And that is the part that I, I am currently at right now where I'm like, okay, at some point, 
I have to forgive myself for being real around people who just couldn't or don't have the ability to, to, to do the same. And I mean, the, the, the biggest part about trauma bonding and I, and I, and I saw my, like, again, like, you know, I've been reviewing myself and trying to understand, I, I don't understand how the other person could do what they did, knowing what they were doing was going to hurt, was going to hurt me and continue to do it anyway. Even when I clearly exp expressed the hurt just because they could, I don't understand that. I will never understand that level of lack of empathy. I don't get it. I, I, I don't have it in me. It's not, it's not a point of view I've ever, I don't get it. So I'm not, I can't try to understand that. But what I can attempt to heal on within myself is understanding that what I bring to the table regarding authenticity and truthfulness and, and being genuine is not something that will be tolerated by a lot of people, which explains a lot because I don't have a lot of friends. I never needed a lot of friends because I really just wanted the good kind. You know, you just wanted the ones of people who would, who would see you for who you are and you don't have to act in front of them. That's, that, that's the ones that I wanted. And, but that, those same qualities that I value in myself and value and what I value in my relationships is not valued by all people. It's scary for a lot of people. And with narcissists in particular, who are always just playing a role, they've always got like the array of masks that they got to put on to go and do the thing that they got to go do now to get what the, what it is, whatever it is that they need. And, so they don't have any real sense of self. So somebody who does have a sense of self, even if it is a little wobbly, but I have a sense of self. I know who I am, what I stand for, what I do, because I built myself from scratch. When, when, when push came to shove and I had to work on myself, I built myself from scratch. So I know who I am and what it is that I am, tr I'm, I am striving to be as a person. That will trigger somebody who has no sense of any of that. If for anything, to be around it a little bit so that you feel like maybe a little bit of that shine rubs off on you. And while I don't understand how somebody can purposely hurt someone else just for the hell of it, just because they can, I don't understand that and I never will. I am hopefully getting better at understanding the, the, the wounds I was looking to heal by, by, by going into this relationship and do, you know, trying my best. I really did. Like, you know, I used every tool I had in the book, but your tools aren't going to work if you're just working on the wrong project. You know, like, it's just like, if you don't need a hammer here and you've got, and you've got your hammer, but you know, hammer's not needed because it ain't going to work here. Um, 
It sucks. I'm not going to say it doesn't. Um, I am glad that I got through all this without crying because that means that I've worked through a lot of um, the heavy emotional part of it. Sometimes it comes in bursts, but it hasn't, um, talking about it right now hasn't triggered anything. So that's good. Um, for me anyway, <laughs> that means I'm moving forward. Um, but it is, it is not a lot to, to ask that your relationships mirror who you truly are. And my lesson from all this right now is do not compromise on that. Because most people don't know who they are. So compromising is not really something that they would understand. You can't compromise when you don't know what it is that you're compromising on. But be with people who match your energy. Like that's a really big thing. And I have consistently, um, and there's such few exceptions that I can literally count them on one hand. Um, and those are the relationships that are still like the most important ones in my life are the ones that I can count on one hand and where I never, who match my energy, regardless of what my energy may be. And, you know, some of these are long-term friendships where like I've changed as a person, the other person has changed as a person and we're still all here, you know? And, um, because there's this underlying, um, acceptance that comes in those relationships and that, you know, we mirror the best in each other. But don't, while you will be triggered in your relationships of any kind, if you are always triggered, get out. If you see, if you can see a, a, a parental wound show up, get, get out, walk away, run if you can. It's not to say that you don't need to work on those things, but it's not a relationship where you're the, if you're the only one who's doing the work and the other other and the other person is kind of just there with you know holding all of their wounded parts like some sort of badge of honor yeah no that is not the place for you if you are somebody who works on yourself you deserve to be around people other people who also work on themselves because that's where you'll get your needs met that's where you will feel validated and seen and held and cherished. You know, that's, that's, where, that's where all of that will happen. The magic of relationships happens in places with people who match you. And it doesn't have to look the way that you do it, but they match you. In the important places, they match you. Um, like I said, this there's going to be more to this as I continue to work through it. Um, mostly I'm just glad I got through this thing without crying. So that's always good. Um, thanks so much again for listening. And, um, I hope this helps whoever it's supposed to help today. I felt, um, felt like this was the right time to at least talk about this portion of it. And, um, I will talk to you guys next week. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening to the Cherished You podcast. If you could please leave me a review, um, subscribe and share. It really helps get the podcast out to those who it will help the most.